who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today, from divorce to call-out culture to masculinity to girls' confidence. Season two of Thread the Needle finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us today, listeners. We want to let you know that we're putting a trigger warning on this episode because we're going to get into some heavy topics, some that may be upsetting for you. Check out our show notes. We'll give you a little bit more information about what you can expect. Thank you so much for being here. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Bitches on Comics! Woo 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 woo! Today we're taking a sidestep to the left of comics and entering the wonderful world of vampires and vampire television. You know, we like it, we like to come back to it, and I'm really pumped that today we have a very special guest here with us. You know her voice from the Good, the Bad, the Basic podcast, the lovely Alex Malcolm. Hi, Alex. Hey, it's nice to be with y'all. Again. Yes, welcome back. It's been a minute. It has, it has. You know, we're we're just out here in the world, scripting doing and things. doing drafts and crying and <laughs> getting back up the next yeah, day. Yeah, lots of crying, <laughs> lots of lots of lots of crying. Oh. I don't know that I've ever cried so much oh. in my life. But if I if I have to cry, I'm glad it's over. Um, you know, my work in in the stories in my head and you know not a man like (laughs) (laughs) perfect delivery as always so listeners you know alex's voice but you may not know alex is a screenwriter and so alex is working on a ton of cool shit and since we're friends i get to read it (laughs) ha 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 so i'm just saying look forward to the day that you see alex malcolm's name on your tv screen because those shows are going to be fucking lit. We just talked for like half an hour or more about one script and it was just so fun. Oh, I can't wait. It's coming. Let's all manifest for Alex. It's the next step is coming. We're manifesting. It'll be here before the episode comes out. I, I believe. I believe. 
I believe. Same. I love it. All all the good wishes and thoughts. Yes. Well, okay. And so Alex and I are buds. I was like, hey, we should talk about something for the podcast in 2023. Alex was like, sure. (laughs) Because I'm annoying. I was like, let's do the Teen Wolf movie. And Alex was like, sure. And then it came out and she was like, no. And I I think that was a fair response. I'm going to say I think it was a fair response. So then I was like, okay, well, what do you want to talk about? And you have been trying to get me to watch this TV show for a very long time. Well, you know, as long as it's been out. And I finally came around, (laughs) interview with a vampire, which is so exciting. And listen, I get your trepidation because it's like, Anne Rice is so great. But then like, she also kind of sucked. Like, so it's hard. Exactly. Well, and you know, you're really the person... I can't remember what we were talking about, but you really brought to my attention the way that, oh my God, I think it was like Vampire Diaries or like fucking, what's the one that's like the old people, the originals? Oh no, it is Vampire Diaries as well. Okay. Funny enough, I, um, because I think I know what you're going to say, was about like how it's all like this kind of old South uh, Mm -hmm. romanticization. Um, Yeah, it is Vampire Diaries. So like, I had actually never seen Gone with the Wind. (laughs) Mm. Which, like, if you're from Atlanta, you know that that's kind of like sacrilege because every it's, it was like shot here. Mm. Um, but I had never seen Gone with the Wind ever, and I re- but I've sort of been lately really trying to expand my classical film knowledge. Um, so I've been watching a lot of classic films, watching a lot of films, famous films. So I watched Gone with the Wind, and after I watched Gone with the Wind, is when I truly put together that like Julie Fleck really did attempt to make. Gone with the Wind, <laughs> but like the TV show. I remember and when you said that, I was Diaries. like, I had never considered that, but you are so right. Yeah, like it really comes it's together. Up. It's you really, it really comes together when you watch Gone with the Wind and then you rewatch the first season. You're like, oh no, she really just was like, <laughs> what if it was like Gone with the Wind and it was like Savannah? And, and like Brett, and then but then there was like a touch of Buffy, but let, like it would not be incredible. It's like no, bitch. Like what are it you talking actually, about? It's actually oh a mess. My it's oh my a goodness! Oh my goodness! A real mess. A yeah, real no, mess. you you really you made me think about that that sort of treating the South as setting instead of a real lived in place and using the antebellum South as aesthetic but then not engaging with any of the reality of what it, what the South is. And yeah. so I, I I know that was part of what I was like, hmm, I don't know, you know, Anne Rice, we've talked, uh, she can nail it and she can really miss it. And, you know, I think that's what I found so powerful about Interview with the Vampire, the TV show, that's what we're talking about now, not the movie, is that it, it didn't just say, okay, let's, let's set this in NOLA and have a good time, which is definitely a vibe of the show. And I really enjoy it. But it's like, let's deal with what it really meant to be alive at this time as a Black person, as a Creole person, and as a newly formed vampire. And I think that it is one of the most incredible slow burns in that, like, you, I don't know, I was thinking about this with uh, my my partner today. We were talking about, like, okay, the first three-episode arc, the fourth episode, and then the last three-episode arc, and it's like, such a different show, but at the same time, everything that's there was there the whole time. And and so I think that that's what's, I, I just really enjoyed it. So when you were like, hey, you got to watch this. I always watch what Alex tells me to. Why wouldn't I? Alex is a brilliant mind in f- TV and film. And so, you know what? 
when I get an assignment, I do it. I might do it late. I might turn it in late, but I will do it. <laughs> and I was, I, I don't know, Alex. I mean, what's your, some of your initial responses when you watched the, the pilot? What, what did you think? Oh, I, first of all, I was just so excited because it was so good. I felt like I had, like, I feel like everything right now is just not that good. <laughs> like, or I'm watching a lot of things that I'm, I'm very unmoved by. Not that, okay, let me take that back. Not that things that are coming out are not good. Um, I just, I'm not personally moved by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was moved by this. I just, it was so beautiful. The set design was so gorgeous. The production design was so gorgeous. Oh, so, it's really well so shot. Gorgeous. And then, like you said, it really has this command and I think strong ideation about how to engage with the series. So like the original, so... Full disclosure, I have not read the books, but I know enough. I haven't either. About the books. I know enough. And I haven't seen the movie since I was like way too young to see the movie. You know what I mean? Like, so I came to this fresh, which I actually wanted to do because you loved it so much. So we'll keep it fresh. Okay. Well, I know I haven't read the books, but I know enough about the books to know that in the books, Louis is a plantation owner Mm -hmm. or like he's a former plantation owner. I, he's a plantation owner who's like, then, you know, the Civil War happens and then he was no longer a plantation owner. Mm-hmm. But like that characterization of like using slave owners, plantation owners, like coding them as a sort of like old world nobility is something that can be found across vampire literature. Mm-hmm. Um, which is weird. <laughs> like that's a Very weird thing weird. that like people keep but like it is this thing, and that's why I'm like Anne Rice, great, but also like not great. Like <laughs> exactly, um, because she is like she was kind of the one who like started all this shit, and she and like every single white girl was like, yes, it is super romantic. Mm-hmm. This Confederate soldier, mm-hmm. True Blood, <laughs> <laughs> True Blood, Vampire Diaries, <laughs> Vampire Diaries, <laughs> Originals, <laughs> <laughs> um, Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> It is super romantic, this this slave owner. Like, it's weird. Right. Like, what are you bitches doing? It's weird. Exactly. It's like, what is... Uh, uh, eh? Like, why answer. can't you romanticize the dude that works in the mines? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Why can't you romanticize? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess all the lung stuff is, like, not sexy. But I don't know. I think there's something, like, kind of hot about <laughs> mining. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it feels very yonic, you know. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, I get it. I, I don't well, know. you know, I wonder. I, I I wanted to ask you about this, so I'm so glad you brought this up. You know, I've I've thought about this a lot too because it always feels so stark. It feels so like fucking weird and gross and like why are we trying to revamp these the image of these fucking shit stains? And you know, I obviously white supremacy, but I also part of me was wondering. You know, is it part of the problem of trying to create a really old character, which is like you have to deal with a history maybe as white people you don't think about. And so they sort of gloss over it. I don't know. What do you I think is going I on think there? That people just really think rich people are really great. And like, I just don't think rich people are really great. Like, maybe that's the thing. I, and that's, and I guess that's the thing. Like, in America, we don't have like princes and kings and like, right. quote unquote, nobility. And so... I feel like, right? Because that is 
princes, nobility, dukes, earls. Those are the things that Bridgerton dreams are made of, right? And, yes, yes. Um, which is also really problematic, but we won't get into. But like, also <laughs> we'll has a lot of problems. a different episode. Yeah, another episode. But, um, but like, I guess the South and a group of people owning <laughs> and exhibiting immeasurable exponential violence on another group of people is the closest that we've kind of gotten to a monarchy in this country. And you, and you know what's fucked is like, it's like, it's like they almost get it. It's like, yes, the monarchy is incredibly violent. It is a bad thing. And so, yes, these are, these are incredibly violent, bad people. We're not supposed to be like, yay, kings. We're not supposed to be like, yay, people who enslave other people. That's like the complete wrong way to read the allegory that they're trying to make. Right. And like, listen, like, and like, also, this is an American thing. I also think, funny enough, like, in my sort of traverse now of traversing a classical film and like really watching a bunch of these movies, like Anne Rice, Julie Pleck, what's her face that wrote Twilight? <laughs> Stephanie Myers, maybe? Yes. <laughs> wow, I'm shocked I pulled that one out. I wasn't, I almost said Sookie Stackhouse because my brain was going like True Blood, which is also a character but then, yes, author. Charlene Harris as well. <laughs> Charlene Harris. Um, all these women are women who would have been like of an age where like they also sort of like were really absorbed in classical film. And like when you look at a lot of classic film, I was kind of like in like going through it and stuff because I like I said, I'm just expanding my knowledge and really watching these movies and kind of investigating the past and the studio systems and the stars and their pictures and how pictures are made. You love history. I do love history very much so. Um, sort of looking, like, watching a lot of these movies, there, like, there is, like, an old classic Hollywood, I would say, like, subgenre of, like, movies about the South, specifically mm-hmm. movies about slavery, like, or, like, period films about, yes, the antebellum South. And, like, when you watch them, they are these, like, really, like, hey, that was amazing. Like, that's what all the movies are basically about. Like, when you yeah. watch, like, Gone with the Wind, when you watch, like, Jezebel, like, Jezebel starring Betty Davis, it's like, <laughs> the movie is like, yeah, she's just this girl who owns a bunch of slaves. But the movie, the movie is like, hey, wasn't this great? Like, wasn't this just a great time? Wasn't mm. this just so fun? So, like, I am going to be like, you bitches are smarter than this. Grow the fuck up. But also, mm-hmm. I can sort of understand why they think that this is romantic. But then the fact that you think it's romantic and you never think to investigate that further or, like, why you're making these romanticizations, I think is a consequence of just being, you know, part of the privileged class, I suppose. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's why, you know, I was like, I know why. It's white supremacy. But also, like, what are the specifics of it, right? Like, I think that was, I don't know. I, I just found what you were sharing fascinating. Yeah. To think about. And I think that's why Interview with the Vampire, inter- eh, we're both segueing together. I love it. That's why it stands out in the canon, right? It does stand out in the canon. It's a show that's like, so like you said, yeah. And so like I just said, in the book, Louis is a, a, he's a, he's a plantation owner. In the new, in the show on AMC, by the way, um, AMC or AMC Plus, I don't know, whatever <laughs> your thing is out there in <laughs> podcast land. Um, Louis is no longer a plantation owner. He is a business owner. They've updated it. They've taken it from the 1800s to the 19, early 1920s. Mm-hmm. And 
He is a business owner in Storyville, New Orleans, and he is a Louisiana Creole, and like he's a Louisiana Creole black man. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really, and then the show really does contend with that. Like that part of it is an under, they use it. Like, you know what I mean? They don't shy away from it. Which so often when people are, are and I, I don't love this term, but when they're, when they're casting people, differently than in the original source material, let's say. Yeah. There's so often a an inability to then grapple with how that would change the story. There's such an... I saw someone talking about this of... Uh, 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 we know when you wrote someone as a white girl and you cast a black girl to play her. Was I you tweeting? Was I reading your tweets? Am I quoting your tweets back to you? <laughs> Maybe. I might be. I might be, which is a little embarrassing. But I was like, that is exactly real, right? Like when you... When you just sort of go, oh, well, a black person can play this. Of course, black actors can do many things. Of course, they can play some version of this character. But you can actually grapple with what it means at a much deeper level. And I was shocked that Interview with a Vampire did that. And to the degree it did. Same. And But you know what? I remember when it was announced, I knew it was going to be good. Because I, (laughs) I had read an interview with the creator on AV Club. And he was just already just so smart about it. Like, I mean, he was answering questions and he was like, well, he had like a a cerebral, it seems like, understanding of the history and like just how it was going to work. And I mean, down to sort of really being honest about like the the queerness of the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Which the original movie is not. (laughs) Right. The movie is like, the movie is like, oh, they're just, they're just bro pals. Real close bros. Real close. I remember I watched an interview with Jacob Anderson, who plays Louis Dupont de Lac, the main character, and Sam Reed, who plays Lestat de Lioncourt. I can't, I'm so bad at French. But Lestat is not great. But anyways, Sam Reed and Jacob Anderson, in their interview, people were like, why'd you make him so gay? <laughs> Sam Reed is like, that's the book. Like, it's, that's, it is gay. Like, what do you want me to say to you? And I was like, that's actually pretty, like, a really funny response, especially because he's so French and he has this accent when he's saying it. It's, like, really, really cute. He's like, he has a lot of disdain, I feel like, for the question, which I respect. Right. Which, he's actually not French. He's actually doing a really incredible accent. What? Yeah. What is he in real life? He's British. Oh, that must be the accent that I heard it in. I just, my brain was like, British, French, what's the No, so like, that's another part. These performances. (laughs) That's incredible, actually. Yeah, the performances that um, Jacob Anderson and Sam Reed are turning in are phenomenal. I mean, world-class performances. I mean, incredible performances. Um, To the point where like, I, I kind of don't ever. Actors are very wonderful, beautiful people, but sometimes they're just like, not that smart. And... (laughs) Um, so when they, there's ever like interviews about like, so I very rarely, um, read actor profiles unless like, I'm very interested in their work, like, mm. or, or they're just truly turning in performances that I'm like, oh my God, what? Like, and yeah, Sam Reed is turning in this, oh my God, what performance? <laughs> so I actually And went, it's so nuanced. I mean, so I mean, to, to give us a Lestat that is this smoldering monster under this veneer of, of like, oh, you're going to let him talk to you like that because the color of your skin, you know, like just this, the master manipulator, you know, like just every little piece carefully placed until he gets bested by Claudia. Listen, uh, an abusive boyfriend, if we have ever seen one, honey. (laughs) Like, 
I mean, right? <laughs> An abusive boyfriend. I'm just like, oh my God. Listen. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about it. Oh my gosh. Let's let's do it. Let's go. Let's do it. And okay, and so this is another thing that I really love about the show. Because there is something to me that's like upsetting um, in our current moment where like, a relationship will truly be like abusive and ugly and toxic and sad. And like the show will just present it, but it will not comment on it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then you bitches, not, not to like, not too much on you girls, but you bitches <laughs> will be like, this is love. And I'm like, are you ho serious? Like, let's, like, absolutely not. You're like, is that love? Or is has it? he collapsed his world so greatly that all he has is Lestat? Because that... Listen, okay. That's bad. Like, okay, that's bad. <laughs> if you're seeing your relationship reflected in this, that's a red flag. That is a red flag. <laughs> and so y'all will be like, that's incredible. But I love the show through, oh my God, the journalist. What's his name? Uh, Daniel Malloy. Yes. So I love that like Daniel Malloy is like, he is Daniel Malloy a character, but he's also very much acting as like the audience show, but also exactly. the show surrogate. Who, when Lestat, when Louis is recounting these stories, I love that Daniel, I love that how the writers have positioned Daniel because Daniel's like calling, he's like, no, bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I love- He's like, and that's I, fucked. That's yeah, fucked. Yeah, that's fucked. fucked. He's like, that's fucked. He's, he's like, like that's so you're, you're like, he's like, oh, fledgling, do you mean slave? And you're like, whoa, whoa. that's ballsy to ask a vampire who could rip your throat out. But then you see Louise's response and you're like, shit. Right. And I do think, and I really, I really love the Daniel Malloy character. I love how he functions in the narrative so much because I really do. I think it's just, first of all, it's fun. It's, I like. So fun. It's so fun. It's fun fun to have someone so contentious in the, in the face. Like I was, my, 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 my wife was like, I felt like the journalist was like too in his face. And I was like, no, that's a man who's dying who's been a journalist for so long, he does not have any fucks left to give. And he's someone who's like, what, I'm supposed to be impressed by like a deathless vampire? No, I'm going to poke all the holes in your story. And I was like, that's what makes it work, honestly. So I agree with you. I think it's integral to the show. Uh, it's so integral. And it's funny that you said because I think it works. It's, it's interesting because it works on so many layers. And mm. on one layer, it's working as like a character. Daniel, the character is working because... It's, it's, you can kind of take it as like this comment, even on like the lack of spine in modern journalism, because like mm-hmm. as an interviewer, as a journalist, like your job is to sort of be anti- antagonistic to the narrative, right? Yes, you yes. are like a cross examiner poking holes in the story and like t- to get to the truth of the heart of what it is. Like, you can't you, just accept what someone tells you, right? Yeah, because people lie and people lie to themselves. Exactly. And like that is. And I've talked about this with friends who are journalists and who are like, it's like nobody asks the right questions anymore. Like mm. people are asking bullshit questions because they don't want to offend or are happy to go with a narrative that your interview is establishing. But mm. that's not mm. your job. Mm. Like as a journalist, that is not your job as an interviewer. Your job is to get to the truth, to like question, to like in real time pick apart a story to like, so you can then. Yeah. You got to spot the holes. Because you got to spot you, the holes. You, then you build a real narrative versus like just telling someone what someone said. Said. Gotcha. Right. Mm-hmm. There is Agreed. something that you can construct that is real or as real as we can with 
you know, everybody, we all have our biases and thoughts and perspectives. Right, right, right. So the Daniel Malone character can also, like, in one layer can be looked at as a comment on modern journalism of, like, the the writers can be like, no, this is actually what you're supposed to be doing. And so that's one. And then two, Daniel also functions as this really incredible, he's functioning as the audience surrogate, right? Mm -hmm. That's two. And then three, he's also functioning, like, as the show's moral voice to Mm. also, like, pinpoint, like, where the show is not just doing something that I think a lot of people do now, which is upsetting to me. It's like they present something, but because they have nothing to say about it or they have no comment on it, it's it's not necessarily striking a blow against, like, perverse systems, but actually just perpetuating exactly. a violent and I don't want to say problematic again, but problematic um, <laughs> narrative and ideation of relationships, of race, Absolutely. of gender. Of, of like beautiful gay men, right? Like of like, this is, oh, you know, I, I think I'm, tell me where I get off, but I think I'm like following what you're saying because I felt this instinct. I always watch things with like, three selves. I feel like you're that way too. Like my writer self, my like critical analyst self, and then like my viewer self. And let me just tell you, that viewer is a dumb bitch. Like that viewer fucking loves. Oh God, they're an asshole. No, they're not. No, mine's not smart either. No, no, no. Mine's like, oh, they're going to fuck. I love it. You know what I mean? Just a fucking hedon. And I was like drawn in and I was like, oh my God. God, vampires are the only way gay people could be together in the 20s. This is so beautiful. And then, you know, Daniel would jump in and be like, and I'd be like, you're right, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. I needed that. I was totally, I was, I was on the Lestat train, right? Like I was right, getting bring it wrapped back. in. Bring it back. <laughs> like when Louis dancing with him and he's like, and I fell. I was like, me too. I'm falling in love with this dance. It's like oh. we're all, we're all in love. It's like me too, bitch. You're not special. Like <laughs> Exactly. Which I think is brilliant because it makes us empathize with the survivor, right? With Louis, because we're like, yeah, I can see how I get pulled into this. But then, like you're saying, Daniel's constantly there to push against that and say, like, that doesn't feel real. That doesn't feel like the full story. You were in an abusive partnership. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And, like, that becomes so clear in the back half of the the season, right? Like, we, we, it's very clear. It's very stark. But it was there the whole time. But it was there the whole time, right? So, yeah. So, that's the the show. Like, it's really great. So, yeah. so so, So, the front half of the series is, like, Louis and Lestat meet and, you know, Lestat is chaotic. Um, chaotic. And hot. Like, I'm, I, I'm not attracted hot. to him, yes. but he is crazy fucking hot. Crazy like, there's hot. one point where he steps out of that car he bought for Louis and he's like, I got you a card. It's like, yeah, you also almost murdered him. I don't. That's what I'm saying. Don't. Claudia, my sister. My, my Claudia's sister, like, Claudia, fuck this. Really? Fuck you. Scratches it. Scratches oh, it. I'm obsessed. Claudia is the greatest, maybe one of the greatest characters ever created. Like, I'm obsessed with her. She's so cool. Yeah. And, and she's so, you know, honestly, I was like, you know, honest. So everything's happening with Louis and the Scott, right? And they're mm-hmm. together and it's a mess. And they're both so fucking beautiful and they're both so hot and they're both so like, and then they have that wild eye color that happens when you become a vampire. Yes. And then Louis missing basically his family because now he's been cut off from his entire family because Mm -hmm. naturally they're like, this is weird that you're not aging. You haven't aged. That feels devilish. (laughs) Which is devilish. And it's, and it's, 
And I will say, I really love the characterization of Louis and like how tragic that is because it's like his family is such a huge part of his life. And it's established that, you know, you know, he's closeted, right? And Mm -hmm. so... So they're mad at him at first for shacking up with a white guy. And then they're mad at him for being violent. And then they're mad at him for not aging. And they're like, it's, I think it's one of those times where when you layer the metaphor with real queerness and it's so much richer for the fact that you have both. Yeah. It, it like, right. Cause then there's so, and there's so much happening. Like I was, I was even going to say like, so Louis is caught like in the beginning when we meet him, like Louis is closeted. And so like, he is like, you know, very carefully having to express that side of himself. So mm-hmm. I think like all people who are kind of not necessarily queer, but like, you know, different weirdos. I'm not that queer people are weird. I'm not saying that's right. Okay. But <laughs> I like, don't know. I think we all know. <laughs> but, pe- but like, but like he is, but because he cannot express his queerness in a way that is fully safe and he has to be extremely careful. He's very, he very much uses the love he he finds other sources of intimacy and love right like mm-hmm. he is deeply like invested in caring for his his little brother who is sick right mm-hmm. he very much loves his big sister mm-hmm. he very much is into like his mom like he's very much into his best friend at the whore at the at the brothel mm-hmm and these are like the forms of right like he loves his brother right mm-hmm. he's devastated when his brother commits suicide he, and his family is such a big part of his life and how he is living it and it's not perfect obviously but it is but it is like comfortable mm-hmm. enough for the time period so when he gets with the start and he and he's unless Dot turns him, it's like, we really feel, and then like, you know, like it's, it's his mom. Like it's the mom first, you know? Yeah. Like you said, first they're like, they're so not about this white man, whoever this white man is. Yeah. They're like, that guy is weird. And they're they're, right. He is weird. He is weird. Like they're not wrong to feel that way. And like, listen, and then like, listen, like Lestat is not, he is, he's not every white partner, but he is a lot of white partners that Mm -hmm. I've seen. Like, in that, like, he's kind of dismissive of Louis' family. Like, it's like, have some fucking respect for people. Not even respect, but, like, because, like, I, like you said, it's really rich. It's really layered. Because it's like, they, they're not, they're not really about the queer thing. But they're also well, really and, not. And that's the, the, but that's also the subterfuge Lestat uses to isolate Louis. Which is right. an incredibly important aspect of how abusers work their evil. Right. It's like they're not, the family's not super on board with this queer thing, but they're really just like, but they're but really, it's also really the time not on board with this white man thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like, and Louis does not really give them a reason to be, be not Louis. I mean, the stock doesn't give them a reason to be because he is no, equally contemptive of them um, for the black thing. Like, as much well, as. Well, and he, he would, I was going to say, he would say it's, oh, it's all humans, but you're fucking right. It is different with black people. He is. There is like a racial, like, undertone of it that's happening mm-hmm. at, when mm-hmm. they when they all meet him in the, at the family dinner. And it's all very super tense. And he's like weird and he's like really shitty about. And doesn't he try really, to use mind control on the mom or something? Mom, which is weird. He's and really then Louis sh- like, knock it off. Knock it off. He's really shitty about Louis's brother who's sick. 
mm-hmm. which is lame because it's like, you know, he's sick. <laughs> like, you know, he's sick. Like, stop this. And well, and then there's that question that hangs in the air. Did, did Lestat kill, did Lestat kill him? Mm-hmm. Did he kill um, Paul? And and it, Louis asked about right, but even the answer doesn't feel. It's like, like enough, yeah, right? you don't You're know. Like, mm, like you can't. I don't really know. know. I don't know. And yeah. that's and that's what's so brilliant about the show is that like it writes so beautifully in a way that leaves that question of like we'll mm-hmm. never really know because Lestat, baby, Lestat lies. Like Lestat lies. You see how they mm-hmm. rhyme, so you know that's that's how you know. <laughs> um, but. Uh, there's all these things that's happening. And so then Louis, so Lestat turns Louis and he's cut off from his family and he's so devastated. So you get why he rescues Claudia. He is desperate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's, he, at that point, he's tried to stand up against the white oppressors who are continuing to harass him, continuing to make his business difficult, continuing to undercut the value of everything he's putting forward and calling him the F word calling him all kinds of denigrating words for his race and 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 he's like i could literally rip your throat out like he's he's simmering with rage at this point and despair and heartbreak and he's lost everything and he's walking down storyville right and he gets to claudia's house and he because because vampires can hear thoughts he hears her preparing to just die to just and die he's and like, he's like no no and he rescues her and like he and in a sense rescues himself, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, he he's yeah, he's pretty explicit about that. He's like, Claudia saved me. And in sort of reconnecting this and he but makes the Dan- re- But you know, I was just remembering so the Daniel's like, oh, you think you're the first people who had a kid to try and save a shitty marriage? A sh- shitty marriage, <laughs> yes. But like and he's, he's like, so God right. Damn it, Daniel. He's like, and and they're and he's not wrong. He's like he's not Claudia wrong. is a band-aid baby. <laughs> like And they're just like, damn. Calling it like you see it. Claudia is, and that's why I'm like, the show's so great because it's like, you could get wrapped up in all this shit. And then Daniel's like, actually, it's a band aid, baby. Like, let's take it back to reality. That was so good. Like, Daniel's gonna, and it's not that all the other sort of things that you're feeling and we're interpreting are wrong. It's just that it is also like, yeah, the voice of reason. Exactly. It's like all that nuance is what what makes us understand Luby, right? Like, and we want to. We want to understand him. And so that nuance, it's just all there. But at the same time, we always have Daniel bringing us back to the fold and saying, yeah, that's abuse. Yeah, that's abuse. And then it might feel nice, but it's abuse. Right. And then thus Claudia is born. And let me tell you something. Like, Claudia is a black girl through and through because my sister Claudia said, Louis, you can do this but i'm gonna get free of this white man like know that mm-hmm. i'm gonna be free i'm gonna go to freedom um any like your black listeners will get that i mean that line when she's like we're slaves you're a slave i'm a slave, a slave and like, i'm gonna free us and i'm gonna free i us. was like we're gonna damn get i love claudia man that's and that's so it tracks it tracks it, oh, it <laughs> like, totally tracks yeah. it tracks. <laughs> like there was no way louis was gonna get himself out of that you know i know louis was very much resigned to be like i guess this is what i do now i'm just gonna I'm lay sadly i'm gonna get free eat rats yeah and she's like oh that's real stupid um and so another thing that the show does that is um i think better than the film and subsequently the book is that they they make the decision to age claudia up a bit Mm. I think she's like six. Yeah, she's really young. She's in the young. Uh, I know Kirsten Dunst did that role when she was like nine. 
Yeah, she was real little. She was real little. Um, Claudia in the show is like turned when she's like 15, I think. 15. I think she's 14, but yeah. 14, 14, 15 ish. And Bailey Bass, the actress, is 19. She destroys it. And she, oh yeah, she's so great. She kills it. Um, Bailey Bass is 19. Okay. So, so it, it, it basically, it all feels better. Um, it does. And it makes the questions less like, cause at one point she's like, well, who's going to fuck me? I look 14 and I'm 33. I, I like, who's going to fuck me. And that and feels that's really better real. coming from like somebody like maybe exactly. 14 on the cusp of 15. Exactly. Than a seven year old. <laughs> yeah. Nine year old. Well, you know, I was actually thinking about, um, you know, let the right one in. That's another vampire movie that has a young a person who was turned into a vampire very young. And it also contends with like who would be attracted to a, a, a child that's old, right? Like people who should not be in relationships be. with people mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. Uh, people who need a lot of help uh, and probably some discipline. And, you know, I think that I liked, I was thinking about them as companions because I was like, they both ask some really intense questions about how do you live in a, a permanently child's body? And then what do you get to craft of yourself from that body as a vampire? And I thought that was so fascinating in Let the Right One In, which is like, you know, this moody Swedish film. And then here it's, it's, it's you ask in a very different way, right? Because Claudia, yes, craves sexuality, but in a very biblical way, also craves knowledge, right? And that, mm. that those things being paired together feels very smart for the vampire narrative and smart for this young woman who is trying to create herself in a framework of abuse. That's an incredible point, which I hadn't quite knitted together yet. And I love that you brought that up. Because yeah, you're right. She, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. She craves knowledge of the flesh as well as knowledge of the mind. Yeah, knowledge <laughs> of the mind. Like, that's incredible. Um, and then also, of, and like you said, of self, like her, her raison d'etre, whatever. A big part of it is trying to figure out where she comes from, like in terms of mm-hmm. vampirically, right? Like who else is out there? Because she's mm-hmm. like, Lestat cannot be it. Well, she's just like... What I love about Claudia is like if you give her too neat of an answer, she's like, "Oh, okay, so you're you're censoring a bunch of shit." Yeah. Like if you're telling me every vampire is a monster that's out there. Huh. And even huh. after she meets a very monstrous vampire who sexually assaults her, she still believes that it can't all be the same way. And I'm like, "God damn, Claudia, you are such a cool character." Yeah. Like my sister, like legit, like dead ass. Um, so <laughs> yeah, she's she's has an internal hope. And then even after, yeah, after everything, even like you said, still holding out this hope of like, no, it can't be it, can't be Bruce, can't be Lestat, has to be somebody else, you know, really thinking that um she, you know, she, you know, Claudia's gonna live, Claudia's gonna survive. She's gonna, although probably not, but like um <laughs> She's gonna she's she's gonna go out in a in a badass way. Although I do love that they kind of foreshadow her death in the first season. Mm. Yeah, like okay, I'm not that's not really a spoiler. You guys, like if you've watched the movie, no. you've read the book, they the show very much foreshadows her death. I mean, the, just even the way he talks about her foreshadows it, you know? Yeah. Like, there's just there's too big of a gap. Like, yeah, they're not gonna straight up say it because they need some stuff for season two, but like, you know, you know. If you've read a book. If you've watched a movie, <laughs> if you did not sleep through all of English class, you will know what has happened. <laughs> 
Hello there, listeners. Did you know that we work on so many projects? Like, like so many, pro- we work on so many projects. And did you know we have bonus content behind all of those projects? Uh, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. And if you didn't, you didn't know then that you can have access to all of those bonus projects by joining us at patreon.com slash queerspec. Join us for as little as $2 a month to get full access to all 126 at the time of recording this promo, back episodes, and more to come. You can join us at patreon.com slash queerspec. Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Well, you know, as as we're getting like into the back half of the season, I want to talk about Rashid. And so like if you haven't seen Interview with the Vampire, like, you've probably already gotten some spoilers. I think we've kept it lightish, but go watch it and then come back and finish the episode because, uh, you know, right here I want to talk about the ending a little bit, and I do think that's spoilery because you might have seen six of the episodes but not the seventh. Uh, so go watch it and come back. Yes, so, let's talk about Rashid. Let's get into fucking it. Fucking Rashid! Okay. That's what I was going to say earlier, like, really quick. We're going to come back to Rashid, but, like, Rashid remembers a point I was going to say. Because you know how we were like, oh, the romanticization in the South. Because I think people feel like the Industrial Revolution was like not necessarily like hot. But I would also push back on that. Because if you have seen The Life and Times of David Copperfield, <laughs> starring Dev Patel, <laughs> there is like a section where he too is in it's the Industrial Revolution. He's working in a factory and baby... Okay, like it is not <laughs> anything to sneeze at. Like he's looking good. I'm just saying it's 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 giving feel like it's giving a lot. It's very it's very sad. so. I don't so the girls are not trying hard enough. That's all I'm saying. Their imaginations no, are not. You don't working. have to romanticize, you know, people who murdered and raped other people. You can choose other people who are also cool. Well, not also, but actually cool. You're just not, you're not working hard enough. It's on exactly. thing. And um, go watch The Life and Times of David Copperfield. It's a very good movie. That's it. <laughs> Next. I love it. I love it. So uh, Rashid is this, this sort of background character for much of the series who seems to be like an acolyte of Louise. He's like, he's my God. And, but then, you know, uh, I, I love Daniel's relationship to him. Daniel is like, uh, there's something off with this Rashid character. Don't know what it is, but I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to figure it out in the most annoying way. Uh, so just like constantly challenging Rashid or like pushing on Louis. In I know. Front of Rashid. Rashid be minding his business. <laughs> Rashid's like, I was literally praying. Why are you yelling at me? Why are you here? <laughs> like, granted, granted, Rashid is like, I mean, I guess in like Daniel's defense, <laughs> not really, but like kind of. Like, Rashid does interject. Like, he is giving, Yes. Like, there's something off, right? There's He's something like, off. you are not an acolyte. Like, I'm watching the way that you interact with this person. You're always around. But that moment when Daniel's like, fuck it. In the last episode of the end of it, he 
He's like, fuck it. I'm going to push hard. I'm going to be like, you can't fucking tell me that you really thought Lestat was dead. You're not a fucking idiot. You know what you were doing. You were keeping him alive. That's why Claudia's mad at you. And then I know that's why she's mad behind him. Yeah, she's mad as fuck and fairer. But then in the background, Rashid is just like floating into the air. And then... Oh my god, it's so cute. And Louis takes his hand and he's like, like we're I'd like to introduce you to the vampire Armand, the love of my life. The love of and, my life. And I'm like, oh my oh, god. Like, god. that's what I needed. Like, I had like I knew Armand was a character. I remembered him from the movie. I had I was like, I couldn't place Machine. I was like, I kind of feel like I know who that character is, but I was also enjoying sort of like falling into a new version of the story. And I was, God, I mean, episodes. Five, six, and seven are just full of intimate partner violence. Just oh, yeah. Some that is very so much. explicit and bloody and terrible. Some that is implied, some some psychological terror. It is just tough stuff. And it so is. I was like, I this show is so beautiful. I think this story is so important. We do not talk about intimate partner violence enough. We certainly don't talk about it enough within the queer communities that I know. We do not talk about it enough between couples that don't share the same racial background. We do not. We just don't talk about it in these nuanced situations. The image of intimate partner violence is the battered white woman wife. You know, that's, and that exists still. I'm not here to hate. No, yeah. Like- but it's a much more nuanced image. The people who are survivors of violence are men are queer people are black people are and the list goes on disabled people are horribly abused in in either intimate partner or caregiver situations like it's just a much richer image and i think i was so i was so heartbroken by it right like of course i was heartbroken and so moved by the 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 truth of it the way that it unfolds, I was closeted in my first relationship, which was a very abusive relationship. And because I was closeted in part because I lived in a place where being queer was a very dangerous thing, I was in a situation where I was isolated, where I couldn't tell people about what was happening in my life because I was afraid of homophobia. But that actually enabled my abuser to abuse me. And I never in my life expected them to confront a very similar situation in a completely different context, of course. Neither of us are vampires, at least not literally. (laughs) She was an energy vampire, but that's a whole different thing. But the fact that that could really, I mean, I think that's kind of what's incredible about the show. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, is that like it's speaking to something, as you just discussed, really fucking real. Like. And I remember that's why I really, I, that's why I also really loved it because I remember thinking like, you know, intimate partner violence is a cross-cultural, cross-gender mm-hmm. thing because mm-hmm. we are, we live in the world and people suck. Um, people sucking is a cross-cultural thing. Yes. And it, and, and so it's like when you are, and I, I do think stories help us to understand ourselves. Um, so if you, like, there can be something really fortifying and like helpful to see yourself truly reflected in a situation and then somebody be like this is fucked up like exactly free yourself and I just remember thinking like that's gonna do so much to like help start conversations of like okay so like what does intimate partner violence look like when it is queer Mm -hmm. right like what does it Mm -hmm. really look like and like Mm -hmm. 
you obviously nobody's saying, you know, stage a huge Mardi Gras Mardi Gras party and kill your lover. But like But if you gotta, but then if you okay. Gotta, this is also <laughs> how you can get some fucking help. Louis is like murdered. I murdered him. And Daniel's like, fuck you. That wasn't murder. That was an act of mercy. Yeah, he's like, like you oh did that. God. You did that. <laughs> Classic battered wife shit. Like, oh, yeah. And that's why Claudia was mad because Claudia was really about that action. And you oh, were yeah. not. <laughs> she was ready. <laughs> um, but like you did that classic battered person shit. And um uh-huh. and that is real. Like, and so I think what we're talking about is like we're getting to, I guess, my essentially what what I love about shows or and then and like what I look for in a show mm-hmm. of any kind, really, not just like vampire stories, but like any narrative is like that there is like a deep emotional truth. Mm-hmm to what is happening in the narrative. Something that is speaking intellectually, but speaking very much emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. And and then coming coming across being truthful. And and I think the series did that. Like and I yeah. and I just don't think a lot of series right now do that for me. I I I was I'm a little softer on t- on TV and film. I'm soft on all stories. I just like stories. So yeah. I'm I'm like I definitely don't have the, my eye attuned the same way you do, and I I always appreciate that about you. But I felt like even without having felt sort of that dissatisfaction with a lot of stuff coming out now, I did feel like this is just a cut above. Like it is, it 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 manages to do soapy in a way that is heartfelt. And mm. that's actually hard. It is hard to do heartfelt soapy stories. It and, is. And, and I was so impressed with that. Oh, and I remember now what I wanted to say about Rashid slash Armand is I, you know, getting through those last three episodes was hard. We watched them all in one night. We were like, we just need to do it. My wife was weeping. I I was a little bit more analytically minded because I was preparing to chat today, <laughs> but emotional, very emotional, very moved. Um, but then when, when Armand takes his hand and you know that Louis makes it, like, I'm very emotional talking about it, but it's that kind of that symbol of hope that you need to be like, okay, I can watch another season. I can watch Lestat come back. I can do this because he got to Rashid. He got to Armand. He got to, to a place where he is loved. He's, he's in a relationship with someone else who understands at least some of his reality, definitely better than a fucking white guy does. He is with someone who is, loves him desperately like doesn't want him to even give the interview because he's afraid it'll expose him to vampires who will want to kill him. But he loves him. So he's like, it's your life. I, I very moved. I was very moved by the ending. Very moved. And like, and it left us in a really great place. Cause even, you know, I think it's a, one of the ending beats is um, earlier in the narrative. We see that like Daniel and Louis have tried to do this before. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that they've done before, and this is they're actually re meeting each other later on in life. Right, they met in the nineties. They show us that like gr- grungy gay bar in San Francisco. Francisco. It's like, I think it's like the, the vibe 70s. is so cute. Is it seventies? Okay, I think it's the seventies. But like they, the, the 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 show kind of hints that like they've tried this before, and yes. it didn't work out because Daniel was um an addict, mm. very much um uh using. And so couldn't really keep it together in the way that he needed to to do the interview properly. And and there's like a small scene. It's a very short scene. It's short beat of 
them all meeting in this 70s context. And it's it's a teaser, you know, to give us something for season two. But what I love about it is that it's definitely giving I sucked a dick once just to see what it was like. <laughs> I felt the same way. He was like, mm. doesn't he say he's like, I mean, if something happens, I'm up for it. I feel like that's something that Daniel says at one point. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, you just kind of do things, life. <laughs> um, that's exactly what it's like. You just kind of yeah, do things. What do you do? Life. Life. And so I love that and I'm in- interested in it for it. And it, it's already been renewed for season two. And I'm so excited and love the show. And, you know, it's it's so good. It's so good. It's sad that I don't, I don't think it really quite got the push from AMC that it needed in a lot of ways. But um, it's very much all in the social sphere. I think it, it word of mouth really got it going. Oh, yeah. Hopefully there'll be like a bigger push. I was surprised at like the the like folks who are like maybe less <laughs> online than us. I was talking to some friends this weekend and I was like, oh, have you all seen the new interview with the vampire? I'm like finishing it right now. And they were like, no. I know. You mean the one from like Brad Pitt? I was like, no. No, there's a brand new one. You're going to. It's actually gay. And everyone was like, what? I was like, you have to see it. They're like, well, where is it? I was like, AMC. They're like, oh, that's why I haven't. I'm like, fair enough. But at the same time. I know, but at the same time. Get your little add on to like one of your services, watch it, and then cancel. And then cancel. And I, and listen, like, I get it because like you have to be a nerd and like I'm a nerd. I listen, I love AMC. I know that they consistently do good work. They this actually the, do. They actually do some really incredible shit. This is the this is this this is the company that brought us, you know, Breaking Bad and Mad Men respectively. So like they don't it's it's not like it's gonna be bad. You could always well, even they if you know hate how to it. make mega hits too, you know, because Walking Dead, like Yeah, and then Walking Dead. They also brought us Walking Dead. So, you know, I, I don't think you can sneeze. On, um, well, and it sounds like, too, AMC's got sort of this multi-property like property deal with Anne Rice for to adapt what she calls the Immortal Universe, which is Interview with the Vampire is part of that, then Mayfair Witches, which I didn't know if you'd had, if you've watched any of that. I um, did. It's definitely missing, like, the whole thing that makes Interview with the Vampire so good, which is, like... Everything. I don't know. Like, it this was, is, I wasn't about it. I thought it was fine. Like, I was like, I like witches, you know? But I, like I was like, too, no one's gay. Know. No one's like dealing with the fact that like their boyfriend's a piece of shit. I'm like, yeah, you know, this isn't, this isn't gripping. I would say Interview the Vampire gripped me. And Mayfair Witches, I was like, hmm. I, yeah. The problem with <laughs> I want to hear what you say. I really do. I've been thinking about it since we decided to do this. The problem with Mayfair Witches, I think, is a, is a problem with a lot of. Where Mayfair Witches fails, in where Interview with the Vampire succeeds, is like Interview with the Vampire has found, like, right that angle, that queer, mm-hmm. racial, black, right angle to filter it through to talk about real things. It has something to say. It has something to say. Whereas, yeah. like, Mayfair Witches doesn't have anything to say. Mayfair Witches feels like a little bit. Of like a like a soapier version of what's that fucking show you and I both like? There's like two seasons of witches. They're all sisters. Yeah. Oh, I love that show. Witches of East End. Ah, that's it. That's it. 
Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it wants to be serious. That's, and that's why like, it doesn't work. That's why makeover just doesn't work because it's like, unless you have something, if you, cause it's, it wants to be grounded, right? No, you're fucking, you're nailing it. You're absolutely nailing it. I was like, that's it. It doesn't have anything it's saying through saying, like, the witch metaphor. To, but it wants to be grounded, but in order to be grounded, you have to say something. Like you have to have something to say. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, she lives in a boat. And I'm like, that isn't like, okay, so what does place mean to this show? show? Yeah. It feels very unclear. Clear. Whereas like, that's what makes Interview with the Vampire so arresting, I feel like, is every piece means everything. Yeah. Like, it's thought about, like, the, like whereas this Mayfair, which is like, I have some white women in a, in a thing. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Oh, no. My life is so bad being a doctor. <laughs> like, I, that's what I'm saying. Uh, what? It's like, it, actually, you know what? I really, I'm glad we're talking about this because I feel like if you're like a person who's interested in television, interested in storytelling, I do think it's actually really helpful to watch those two shows side by side yeah. to see like what it looks like done right and what it looks like done wrong. Mm. Like, to be honest, specifically when we talk about how like in Interview with the Vampire, race is so integral. The race mm-hmm. and the queerness is so integral to the Louis character and then the show uses it. Mayfair mm-hmm. Witches attempts to do the same thing with this light-skinned Black mother of this white female character, but they don't use it. It doesn't mean anything. It's there as Wendy. Right, right. And that's what I'm saying. And I even forgot like, about her because don't they kill her off in the first episode? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Exactly. They do all the things that are actually bad. You're like, don't do this. And they're like, Don't ah, do this. What if no. this is my blueprint? <laughs> right, and I'm, I'm actually saying, that's why I actually do think it's super helpful to... Because I think sometimes people, and when I say people, I mean white people. I think sometimes white people feel like they're listening to black people or other people of color be like, put it like, in, include us in the narrative. And then they do something like Mayfair Witches. And then we're like, no, mm-hmm. that was shit. And then they're like, well, then what the fuck do you want? It's like, no, actually. So, so like, so if you are one of those white people, here it is. <laughs> it's, it's. This is actually, these are perfect examples of like what it means to use race or queerness in a really superficial way that doesn't do anything that's actually really insulting. And and it's actually, that would make me say, stick to the, stick to the white waterfalls and rivers that Mm -hmm. you know, like don't go chasing Mm -hmm. waterfalls, stick to the white rivers and lakes that you're used to, like versus somebody who can understand the fullness of being and like how to take all and how like race and place and character and queerness, how you can use all of those things to tell an extremely dynamic, rich story as with interview with the vampire. I think Mm. because they both do the same thing. It's just that one person gets it right. And one person is like, gets it wrong. That's Mm -hmm. to me, like, that's it. That's me fair, which is in in Mm. interview with the vampire. Yeah, no, this is actually, you hit the nail on the head. Because I was trying to really hard to name, like, what it was that was bothering me about Wayfair, Mayfair Witches. Like, I don't think about Mayfair Witches. You know, I haven't finished the series. It. I don't, exactly. it doesn't, it, I, I forget that it exists. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I will finish that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, I got to watch something. But Interview with the Vampire, like, I took three months off, I think, between watching episode one and watching the rest of the series. And I thought about it probably every day. You know what I mean? It was just so good from like the first moment of the first episode yeah it's incredible um it's it's just so good it's so richly told it's so woven together so beautifully and like I said I I think it really comes from a place of the show had something it wanted to say Mm -hmm. like it had a clear 
Like, I want to talk about these issues. I want to talk about this or like in I've read this book, I've read this IP, whatever. But I see where like all of this really important stuff is happening. And like, this is how we can make it clear. I was just thinking, I think it's also a masterclass on how to adapt a property for mm. the time that it's now being adapted in, right? Because the books came out in the 90s. Is that right? Yeah. That's 80s? They're old. I'm, They're old. I, I don't. They've always existed when I've been a conscious human. <laughs> that's how I'll put it. And so I think this is, Interview with a Vampire is such a good example of how to shift a narrative bring it forward, do an adaptation that makes me feel something. You know, so often adaptations can end up feeling like just a rehashing, a regurgitation of the material in a different format. And it's like, this is proof positive. I think people are so nervous sometimes adapting things. They're like, we got to be true to it or the fans will be mad. And it's like, this is, this is a great example of like, people fucking love it. So take a swing, say something like you're saying, Alex, have a stand and do it through filter the original property through the narrative, the lens, the story, the the stand you're taking. And yeah, give me something. I, I definitely, you know, that's definitely like my mood these days with a lot mm-hmm. of stories, with a lot of storytelling that I think is coming out. Um, I, something that's like maybe a little off track, but in the same vein of like what we're saying about like have something to say is that, you know, I was thinking a lot about um romantic comedies and romantic dramas (laughs) and how I think everybody wants to make one these days a lot of new ones have been made and they're all sort of falling flat they're not Mm -hmm. really hitting and I think a big reason for that particularly like I said as I went to visit classic films I'm like watching older movies watching older shows is that you know I think a reason why the new ones are falling flat is because they want to pretend that love that partnership happens in a vacuum and it, it, it does not, mm. it does not. Um, and when I watch a lot of these classic film romantic comedies or romantic dramas, when I watch, you know, Casablanca or Adam's rib or um, even love and basketball or beyond the lights, like, which we've got to figure out how to fix beyond the lights, but like, <laughs> um, cause it's so good. But Nate Parker is just like, right there um (laughs) when I watch them I these movies have something to say Mm -hmm. these movies are like they are yes the romance is like a part of it but they are they are all saying something political they are Mm -hmm. all a meditation all these films are into comedies are meditations on you know feminism and women or the lives of women in like our problems and or they are saying something specific about like, it is shitty that the way that girls are, the way that female artists are grinded through the mm. music industry. Like, mm. they, like the film has something to say about something. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. saying something political. It is saying something explicit. And that I think is the problem. You, you want romance or you want love without something. I mean, my God, you, without something political, without it having to say something meaningful and that's just not how this works Mm -hmm. that's not how any of this works I mean even you know the way we were one of the right the most famous romantic dramas of like all time right I mean the whole thing is about he can't really love her because like she's Jewish Mm -hmm. that's the movie that's the movie is like he like he like like 
he can't really fuck with it because she's Jewish. That is the movie. Like, the, and that is so political, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Interview with the Vampire, it's like, it's so political. Like, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to help you. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's about something. The show is saying something. It is saying something. Granted, it's saying something about a lot of different things, but it, yeah, but it is talking about how like the unequal power dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. In relationships, mm-hmm. even when it seems as if how like even in queer partnerships, partnerships period, there there are power dynamics. There are, and, and unless you are willing to confront them, baby, it can go really left, right? Like you're gonna have to kill someone at a Mardi Gras party. At a That's Mardi like, Gras party, you know. Like, so better to pay attention sooner, you know. Right. <laughs> it is. It is saying something I think profound about loneliness, about being isolated, about the things that can happen to you when you are isolated. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From the connections mm-hmm. of your culture, right? When you are isolated, yes. when you are cut off from your culture, when you are cut off from the people that, that love you. Your but city, then how your family, it, your, yeah, yeah. But then how hard it is that can, it can be to be in concert with them. Like it's about, like it's saying something. You've got to say something. Mm, I think that's got to be it. I think, you know, if you have not watched Interview with a Vampire, I really hope this gets you motivated to watch the the new, It's is it 2023? Did it come out all this year? No, it's like 2022. Okay, so 2022. Okay, I watched it all this year. <laughs> okay, 2022, Interview with the Vampire. It is just... What a what an amazing show. We hope you will watch it. Uh, feel free to also watch the companion Mayfair Witches and go, hmm, I do see that something's lacking here. Uh, hit us up on Instagram, Twitter. We're at, at Bitches on Comics. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you've enjoyed this special episode. Alex, if folks want to learn more about you, follow you on social media, where can they do that? Um, you can follow me at Lex Moves on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Lex Makes Music. Um, that's L-E-X-X underscore moves on Twitter and L-E-X-X makes music. And then if you are a producer and you're trying to get in touch with me, my rep is Brian Brooks at 831 Entertainment. And you can reach out to him if you would like to read a sample. Get me for staffing. Get that sample. Get it. <laughs> Go get it. You want it. I've read it. You want and it. And all the other all the other things that are great. You're the best. Thank you so much for being here with us. This has been an absolute delight. I can't wait to see what you make me watch next. Yeah, you know, I'm going to bully you into something else. Uh, please do. It's made for great life for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Bitches on Comics, distributed by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Find more shows like Bitches on Comics by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. Thank you for listening to Bitches on Comics. We are a bi-weekly podcast where we talk to your favorite comics and pop culture creators and critics about what matters to them in comics and pop culture, as you might have guessed. You can follow us on Twitter at, at @bitchesoncomics and on Instagram at, at @bitchesoncomics. Our website is brace yourself, bitchesoncomics.com. If you go there, you can listen to any of our episodes and we've got other shit that we put on tabs. I don't remember what it is. I am in charge of updating the website, however, so good luck. <laughs>
Thanks for the heads up. I'll go to this website now. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support the podcast by joining us on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash queerspec to learn more. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. I'm Monica Estrella and you can find me at www.audreysrevenge.com or on Twitter at Audrey Revenge. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.